millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days, you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show that's brought to you by Levi Solicitors. 10% off still your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. I'm Dan Moylan. Hello with me is Michael Normanson. Hello. So is Moscow White as well. Daniel Chapman. Hello. If you fancy getting all our podcasts ad-free in one feed, that includes our subscriber-only podcast, Extra Ball, plus early access to the Match Ball. Have a look at TSB Plus, our all-in-one subscription package. You also get a full digital subscription to the magazine as well, so you can read all the issues from 2009 right up to the present issue. And you get a daily email as well with all the essential Leeds United news from Moscow. Have a look at thesquareball.net forward slash plus. Well, I don't know about you, but I've been thoroughly enjoying flicking through Twitter and reading um, people telling us how shit Calvin Phillips is. Don't you just want to kind of tell him to stop playing for England now? Play for Leeds. It's all right. Don't listen to the bad man. I don't want you subjected to that. You're ours. You're our special boy. I kind of want him to keep annoying people. I think it's his rightful place in the squad is that he's there and upsets people and he's He's doing fine, isn't he? The whole England team, you'd struggle to watch. I mean, I didn't watch all of the Albania game. I just saw the highlights, but you would struggle to have watched either of those games and gone, that person is an absolute star in this team. They need to be, the team needs to be built around them. They're all just like, fine. Which is mad though, because the England team has got so much talent in it these days. I know there was bang on about, you know, golden generations and all that, but there are genuinely loads, particularly of, of attacking talent in there. So why are they so bloody turgid? Southgate. Blame Southgate. I don't know. There seems to be a bit of, um, I think it was Jacob Steinberg wrote a piece kind of defending Southgate, playing his, this defensive style, saying it's not like Albania don't play football and we did win the game and it's a legitimate way to play, but it is also legitimate to say it's fucking boring to watch. So, fine. The, both views are equally valid, I suppose. It's the Mourinho and the Bielsa sides of the coin, isn't it? You can say, you can go pragmatic if you want, but you can also, you've got to accept it when people say this is shit. It's also just the World Cup qualifier side of things there's an element of just these games just need ticking off and getting through and they're never going to be of particularly high quality this season when you know we look at the state of Matthias Klick who's not managed to play for Poland but has done his uh, the interview talked about how tired he is and how he's um, just purely from the amount of games he's been playing that he's starting to wear down and he's having to not train as intensely to to protect him and we've we've seen that I think we were all getting quite weary with the, the Premier League schedule. And you think from one perspective, the last week and the week that we're in has been a bit of a break from that. But then a lot of the players have gone and played three games just to cram them in as well. Get some more. <laughs> another what's it's 108, another 180 minutes. Um, that's, that's two games, but yeah. Close I really enough. thought I was right then. <laughs> 270. Um, just to, So the quality's never 
are going to be there. Nobody really, there's not much excitement about, you know England are going to beat San Marino. The only risk is that they might concede a goal. Albania should be beaten and it's never going to be a, a classic. Even if England had played with all the attacking verve in the world, gone full Bielsa and won 20 nil, you'd still go like, well, it's a joke score, isn't it? So it's a bit of a, a no-win situation. So yeah, Calvin should just withdraw, forget it. He's made his point, he's got his cap. I mean, alone. I mean, you say nobody cares. It's been great for one third of the Benny Lux nations, at least the, the Lux part of it. I mean, I know we've got quite a lot of Irish listeners, so hello to you. Sorry for bringing this up if it's scarred you, but oh dear. I mean, you do say that there's no uh, there's no kind of chance or risk or excitement or interest in World Cup qualifiers. Funny, isn't it? And I was thinking, I was listening to some people talking about the Ireland Ireland team. I wasn't. I don't know why I went Cornish. Um, <laughs> And we, when did Leeds last have some good Irish players? I was thinking about this, funnily enough, last night. Gary Kelly, Ian Hart era. Have we had anyone since then? McPhail, McPhail obviously. Yeah. Liam Miller got some caps. He was on loan with us for a bit. Yeah. Johnny Douglas, did he get the odd yeah. game? We used to have those strong links with Home Farm, which is where we got Kelly and Hart from, at least, and maybe McPhail as well. I might be wrong about that. but I think it, you're right. The impacts or the the running down of the Irish international team through their inability to develop good young players, is having an impact on Leeds United that is arguably more important because we we should have a core. We, we always have, you know, Johnny Giles back in the day. And there was a time in um, Leeds City era where we, we got so many players from Ireland one summer. I can't remember which manager it was. He used to just go over, um, I think it was Frank Walford, he used to go over and just get loads of cheap players from the League of Ireland, brought them back and to make them feel at home in their first game at Elland Road, we changed the lead city kit to green and all the flags, the corner flags, and used to have flags on the halfway lines as well, they were changed to green. Basically, the whole place done out in green to really patronise them. Which is basically what Wolves have done with that away kit for, yes, for, Portugal. Yeah. for Portugal. I have I have realised, by the way, we've overlooked Eunan O'Kane. Legend. And Darren O'Day, if we're going to get really... If we get really up to date on these things. But it always used to be, you'd, you'd hear about a crop of youngsters at Thorpe Arch. It all come from Ireland, we're all related to Gary Kelly. And you'd be excited and it would be good. And it was always kind of kind of part of the heart of Leeds United, part of the DNA. And um, Irish football needs to fucking sort itself out because I don't know what Leeds going to do without, without them coming through. Noel Hunt. Yeah, fair point. <laughs> They've all been dreadful, haven't they, recently, is what we're yeah. essentially saying. Paul Green. Yes, Pontefract's Paul Green. Just going back to England for a minute, we've always had a kind of a weird relationship with the England setup because I mean we talked about it extensively, didn't we, on um, on the extra ball in this last week? If you fancy um, having listened to that, we kind of go long on on the whole principle and concept of international footballers and and struggling to care at times, struggling to have a proper relationship, like we spoke about, for example, when Australia beat England at Upton Park when England were doing a tour of all the grounds. And it was when we still had Kewell and Viduka as well in the same side. And this party kind of enjoys it from a Leeds United perspective. And also the same goes for when David Healy scored against England. You could actually take a little bit of joy out of that. I think that's why England being fun does matter to a degree, because you've got to try and get, you've got to grasp something to love about them. And it's quite hard when the players they do. I know it's one of those things that it comes around and it's the major tournaments. As Moscow said, it feels a bit like the qualifying is it's kind of going through the motions more or less, because we will qualify. And it's a bit like pre-season at Leeds. Like you look at the results and you watch them a bit, and you're sort of like, "Well, okay, we'll see what when the main thing starts. We'll we'll get bothered about it." And yeah. it's like see that with international can, football. See if we can bore our way through to the semi-finals again. But the, but the pre-season is like about four fifths of the tournament for 
for England. So you, you only actually get a little slither of interestingness at the end of it, which inevitably results in us limping out at the uh, knockout stages. And the other problem at the moment is that Calvin Phillips being in the England team, this is kind of where we started, does bring attention from all of the modern Premier League fans. Maybe Villa and West terrible. Yeah. Yeah, which is surprising. Like, I could understand it from maybe a, a Manchester City fan or a Liverpool fan where you, you exist in these Champions League echelons and you wonder about Calvin Phillips um, because you don't see a player like him at the moment unless you watch Leeds games. And then even then, because of the way he plays, he's kind of off camera a lot. It's like David Batty used to be. Nobody knew David Batty was as good as he was because he'd never be on the highlights on Match of the Day because he never did anything that was clippable. And it's even worse now. Everything's about social media, so Rafinha is a big hit. Whereas Calvin Phillips, you can't really do like a five-minute banging YouTube highlights reel of him being like very cleverly defensively positioned. Just intercepting a ball. Yeah, well, or even not even intercepting, just blocking off a lane mm-hmm. and and the game doesn't go around him. So It's still Didier Deschamps' water carrier argument, isn't it, when Cantona called him a water carrier? But you need your water carrier. The uh, but the the huge offence that people seem to have taken about him being in the England squad, which when it does come from Villa fans and West Ham fans, I mean Declan Rice played as well, so it's not even like he was keeping a, a West Jack Ham player could out have, of the team. Could have played as well if he was fit. So there was absolutely no problem. But um, yeah, he did seem to get a, a surprising amount of ire from I mean, people. Th- th- it doesn't help though when. I see him in that England midfield and you're kind of willing the goalkeeper to pass to him, you know, for the centre-backs to split like ours do and then for Calvin to step into the middle and receive the ball. But he can't because they're not set up to do that. So they're complaining about him passing backwards. It's because he's got no other options. England's entire plan is to pass to the full-back and then go back the other way, often via Calvin Phillips. So he's always going square or backwards. And it's so hard watching this kind of... It's their intentions towards what Bielsa does, but it's nowhere near as good because they don't commit the same number of attacking bodies forward to try and facilitate it. And there's no, oh, there's very little intention to play through the lines. It's always going down out wide and then you rely on individual brilliance for something to happen for England. Whereas Bielsa's whole system is built around attacking football and setting up the right shapes and the right patterns for everybody to be able to take part. Whereas you think, well, hopefully Raheem Sterling will be able to beat somebody or, you know, Harry Kane will twat it in hard from the edge of the box. It's never really predicated on building towards those moments, is there? It doesn't feel like it. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm doing Southgate a disservice. I don't know. It's very conservative, is the thing. But, you know, they're the only national team we've got to support. So, I suppose. We'll see what summer brings, won't we? Yeah, and uh, talking about Wales, Tyler Roberts will not be playing three games in a week. Moscow, so you're wrong. Gets a rest. So that helps. Maybe he broke the curfew on purpose. If he'd been having a rest, this wouldn't have happened, would it? It's an interest. It does sound like they were just up in each other's room too late, weren't they? They've just not gone to bed. And they've, I don't know if they're playing FIFA or something or a midnight feast. Why would they be playing FIFA when they can do the real thing a couple of days later? That's just silly. It's interesting. I had a conversation of, a while ago with somebody who plays sport and it wasn't a football. But they were talking about night matches and how afterwards the adrenaline like what they do straight after a game is because you've got to start getting your your rehab start straight away your recovery so you eat loads remember the pizzas that Steve Evans used to get to is on the team bus so you as you start cramming with food that increases your energy levels you've had whatever painkillers to get you through the game is all in your bloodstream and you're excited and insomnia is a real big problem for a lot of footballers and 
other rugby league players and rugby union players after a match who just can't get to sleep. They've played USA in the evening and they're all just fucking, no, it was Mexico where USA played uh, Northern Ireland, didn't they? And they're all hype, still hyper after the game, can't get to sleep, fucking go around to Hal Robson Carney's room, play FIFA. And, you know, it's fine. And I was, I've not looked deeply into it, but I saw something about Dean Smith at Aston Villa has moved their training time back from 10am to noon because he just said, well, all my players are staying up till midnight playing FIFA or watching Netflix. So it's their lifestyle. They're not doing anything wrong. They're just going to bed late. So let them sleep in. And then they come to training a bit later because it's not like they they had anything to do in the afternoons that was really pressing. So just let them have a line and we'll train later and kind of adjusting it to their lifestyle a bit that way. And I'm I'm intrigued as to where this all kind of fits in with what Tyler Roberts has done, whether mm. it is just kind of, because all the reports are, they've not co- broken any COVID protocols. They weren't sneaking anybody in. They weren't trying to get out. They've gone to the vending machine, haven't they? It's something. Gone to m- get some McCoys. And it is, a, I think now. Messing with the evac chair. <laughs> because it was three of them as well. That makes me think it's not like it was when um, they used to force players to room together. Everybody gets their own room. Now, which is probably even more boring. If you, if anybody has had insomnia, and lots of people have, you know, it's fucking just lying there awake. Just gonna, it's pointless. I, I used to get it from my old job when I was working till fairly late, and then I'd come home and eat at like nine o'clock, and I could never settle. Yeah, so it feels like it's something along those lines. And yeah, sending them home. I mean, as Robert said himself, rules are rules. He broke the rules, so is, there's not is, a lot you can do about it. But is this inevitable when the the guiding light, the moral compass of the Wales team isn't there with them at the moment. Well, Are you suggesting Tyler Roberts should have seen his sister-in-law? Could have stayed with family. If indeed he has one. Exactly. So yeah, Ryan Giggs, is, he's not there with them at the moment, is he, for, for reasons? Yes, he's got his uh, legal issues to work through. Do we wish him the best with those issues? No. <laughs> Just would regard him as irrelevant, really, wish he'd go away. Which at the moment he kind of has. He's keeping very quiet and staying out of Wales way. If he but, could go away for six months to a year, that'd be uh, probably just just about right. Um, hardly, cri- <laughs> um, hardly crime of the century is what it comes down to, and maybe a, an interest in... Are you talking about Roberts or Giggs? Roberts, okay. certainly. And maybe there's something in there about the way footballers uh, are looked after or the way that... It's, it's true. I mean, the I'm, adjustments to lifestyle. Although how we're unwilling to blame Roberts at all for this. <laughs> just be like... It's the bedroom setup's wrong. Well, it's, I mean, Feng Shui. You'd probably hear more if something had, had happened because the players in Reykjavik, who was it? Was it Foden and yeah, yeah all those lot? You know, you had all the, the Snapchat messages from the girls was fairly complete and fairly damning and all came out immediately. And I, I get the feeling if there was anything like that going on here, we'd know about it. And Roberts and his apology, it was, um, you know, I'm sorry I was up too late in the hotel. Yeah, I shouldn't have been up in the hotel later than the set time. Like a naughty school child on a school trip. It's, it was lights out at 10 o'clock and you're still awake chattering at 11. He was showing his bum out of the window. That's what I heard. <laughs> uh, which is probably what you get from Alioski. He played um, 90 minutes in uh, North Macedonia's 3-2 defeat to Romania and then played two-thirds of the game uh, against Liechtenstein. Uh, 5-0 win, that one. He's not allowed to come back, though, is he? According to some people. <laughs> so... Leeds United top potato at the minute. Yeah, difficult one, but okay. We'll keep being pleased with him for now. He got an assist against Romania, I believe, and played quite well. And then I think Liechtenstein was just... Playing for a move, Moscow. That's all he's doing. Play for a bloody move. I mean, why can't we beat teams 5-0 if North Macedonia can do it? Because we don't try to. Let's talk about Northern Ireland. Probably uh, safer territory 
these days, which is saying something. Stuart Dallas, who played left back for Northern Ireland in that 2-0 defeat to Italy. Let's talk about the goalkeeper's role in that. Um, have, you seen, have you seen the video highlights in that? Yep. What, what do you think of that then, Moscow? I feel like I've seen this film before. How has nobody taught him this? It's just, I mean, it's, the, it's always the near post. It's always the near post. And you would think by now he'd have played enough games in the under-23s to work it out. Maybe put a hand there or something. <laughs> just do something to try and stop the ball that is going on on that side. And it's he just, does. He just does it after the ball's in the net. He'll just the first one. <laughs> to be fair to him, the first one it is it is near post, but it is also a really really good finish, and it's kind of lifted into the roof of the net. And I can I can allow Melier might have let in this first one. The second one is just pure. It's it's highlights real stuff from Peacock Farrell, and it's the standard. I feel like we're used to seeing this scene with him as well, where he just lays with his his face in the turf. Just a. It's happened again, mummy. <sighs> <laughs> How am I going to apologise differently this time for the same thing happening again? But he gets up and he's completely stony-faced then after that. It's weird they've not got anyone better than him, isn't it? They do keep throwing in another goalkeeper like against uh, the USA. Stuart Dallas didn't play in that one either and they, they went with the different keeper and they're still lost. Not as hysterically. Yeah. Urente <laughs> uh, didn't play for Spain in that one-all draw versus Greece. He did start versus Georgia, but he was taken off at half-time. Uh, hopefully not with an injury, but they were losing at that point 1-0. Bit of a difficult game for them, that one, but they turned it around in the end, didn't they? They've had a hard couple of games. Um, Luis Enrique is their boss, isn't he? And he was not happy with their attacking against Greece. And then it doesn't look like they've um, they've really knocked many to many past Georgia. So if it's up front is the difficulty, they kind of it feels like it's like the old, um, the players out the team suddenly look better. In fact, Rodrigo now, is who is worried about his um, his European Championships options by the sounds of things. Does that little well of the players you've picked aren't doing anything? If I get myself fit for Leeds, bring me back in. Here I am. A bit like Bamford, because I mean, Oliver Watkins, rubbish, terrible, disgraced himself in that England shirt, as far as I can tell. <laughs> the goal was just a, a fluke. Seems a bastard as well. Seems smiling on the interview afterwards. What a pig. Melier didn't play for the under-21s for France. Helder Costa didn't play for Angola. Now... He has played previously in a friendly for Portugal, hasn't he? Just I think it's just the one cap, but he's decided to represent Angola. Now, we couldn't quite figure out what had happened here because it would appear that he stayed at Thorpe Arch, but it's because Angola is on the UK's travel ban list at the minute. So to quote the government legislation, if you have been in or through any of the countries listed below in the previous 10 days, you will be refused entry to the UK. Country number one, Angola. Well, it's alphabetical order, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, so, yes, yes. It's not the worst place <laughs> in the world. I did actually have a look when he decided to play for them. I had a look at the, the COVID situation in Angola and it didn't seem too bad. There'd been a peak in November, I think. And then since then, it had just been kind of a steady decline with no sign of like a real significant second or, or third wave. But here I am, the fucking epidemiologist expert of Angola. But I was very confused. I spent ages last week trying to work out if he played in a Angola's game against Gambia. So I could put it in the propaganda email and I couldn't find him anywhere. And then he's in the fucking inside training video at Thorpe Arch, isn't he? Playing head tennis with Rafinha. So no propaganda this week because no Leeds game. It will return after Sheffield United. But we do have a little sliver of propaganda, do we? We do a little bit. Jack T. Pearson. Not worth stripping off into its own podcast then, no? No, it's a five minute one, is this? This was um, Jack T. Pearson on Twitter pointed this out. He found some less reasonable Fulham fans, which was nice because I could only find 
very well reasoned ones. So this is um, someone actually mentioning you, Dan. He obviously listened to the Phil Hay show and was not impressed that you said we would win this game. But he's kind of on the climb down here. Welcome to College Talk Full-Time. I'm Russ Coleman. Joining me right now is Max Cohen. This is our full-time show of Fulham's 2-1 to loss at Craven College against Leeds United. Max, I'm going to get us started. Let me first congratulate Leeds United for this victory. And, uh, and uh, I also have an apology to make to Phil Hay. Uh, I actually went on the last show and said Phil Hay said that Leeds United would win handsomely. It wasn't him. It, it was actually the host of his podcast. But you know what, Max? Leeds United won handsomely. I know the score just says 2-1. to one. They wanted this more. They deserved the victory. And I'm going to say it right now. This match relegates Fulham. We have all these matches left. I'm done. I'm done, my friend. They were they were outplayed. The uh, the energy could not keep up with the energy of Leeds United. They were the better side. It wasn't even close. This match wasn't close. It wasn't a two to one match. This was really a four to one match, looking like a two to one match. And I'm very disappointed. And I'm just going to say it one more time. This is the match that puts Fulham down. We're going to look back at this. I'm going to say it right now. There's they don't come back from this. Fulham will get relegated and will point to the Leeds United match. This is a match they needed to win, not draw, needed to win. And they lost and they played poorly. Congratulations to Leeds United, but they could not keep up with the intensity of Leeds United. That's on the players. You go, Max. Yeah. (laughs) Good to see that Max got to go there. Yeah. That's, to see the other guy just come straight back in after that. Thanks, Max. But, that, was know, a, that was a five to one. Is he paid by the word? I mean, I know I fucking talk a lot on this sometimes, but Jesus Christ. Two to one. The road goals. They needed more road goals. <laughs> well, Jack T. Pearson, thank you for the acknowledgement. That's that's exactly how I felt going into the game. It's also worth adding that I was just being tongue in cheek about that because you both said narrow leads win. And I went, all right, then big leads win. There was absolutely no thought went into it. Yeah, he's not heard your output before, has he? Doesn't, <laughs> doesn't know how little you know. Bless him. Who, someone you will be listening to, though, Steve Nichol. He was on last week. It goes back to the start of the season when we played a really attacking style against Man City and Steve Nichol hated that. Then Everton played Man City in the Cup and he was disgusted with that because they were too defensive and he thought they should have done loads better. Just to prove his consistency again, this week on there, he was asked who he thinks is the best manager in the league other than Guardiola and Klopp. And this is what he had to say. Paolo Ancelotti. Yeah, you know Ancelotti. Absolutely, yeah. He's got, I mean, he's he's had the biggest clubs. He's had clubs that have been trying to get better, the likes of Napoli. You know, he's, he's not exactly Everton. setting Everton on fire, though, is he? Well, do you think Everton's the players that Everton have? Listen, coach, coaches can only do so, do so many things. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, the results a lot of the time come down to the, the ability you have on the field. And let's be honest... Everton don't have the greatest of players, do they? I certainly don't think so. I would have Angelotti outside those two. Ah, oh, the weariness in Stevie's voice. Yeah, the only time he perked up was when they started talking about fire. Everton being sound <laughs> fire. It has flashed back as uh, Gary Ablett did move to uh, to Everton at one point and I uh, presume his, his wife will have stayed with him. Probably safer or further away from Steve Nicholl and his incendiary activities, but yeah. So it's hard to know what Steve wants, isn't it? Because I think he just wants to go to sleep. Because Everton don't have any good players, but they should have attacked more against Man City, which is what we did. But he didn't like that either. He really sounds like he wants them to just stop asking him stuff. Yeah. So who was it <laughs> just last week? Gi- just when, give me my fee and fuck off. He was asked about 
Harry Kane. And- Harry Kane. He was like, and he, it was as if he couldn't name a player and the people in the background were going like, have you, have you heard of, of Harry Kane? It really is just like that weird, like, oh, do you, do you have to have a name now? <laughs> hey, we spoke about David Healy's goal for, uh, for Northern Ireland there before and how we slightly enjoyed it, even as England fans. Um, there's a piece on David Healy, Cult Heroes this week, Phil Hay on The Athletic. He's also done a bit uh, about the air crash at Stansted, speaking to Bryn Law and a lot of other people um, who were involved in that. And we've spoken to Bryn about that before on the podcast. And it's a fascinating and uh, probably undertold story, that one, and slightly terrifying when you hear Bryn recount it. It sounds bloody awful. I would never get on a plane again, probably, if I'd been on there. But um, yeah, thankfully no one was hurt. I did quite enjoy from that uh, Rob Molinar's attitude where he deliberately took a flight on a very similar plane to Holland just to prove it was fine. Not proof to himself as well, but it's that full definition of getting back on the horse. He's like, right, back on a plane, take me there. I mean, Molinar would have survived anyway, presumably. He'd have come he'd have come out of the wreckage, wouldn't he? Well, you've seen Terminator 2. Exactly. Straight out of there. No problems. Yeah, check all that stuff out on um, on The Athletic with Phil. Hey, you can sign up via theathletic.com forward slash the square ball, quid a month. And um, we'll be doing the podcast with him in the next couple of days as well, doing a Q&A on that. So you can send in your questions to... Uh, the squareball.net forward slash WhatsApp and do us a voice memo and we'll ask Phil your question. Uh, Theathletic.com forward slash the squareball to sign up. You know, it's exciting. Eight weeks until the end of the season. And I know technically the transfer window doesn't open until the 1st of July, but we can start buying players and that's all that matters. Spending money in this stupid cash rich league. Who are we going to buy? We're not, we're just selling people. We're at that stage already. Everyone's getting ripped away from us. Melier gone. Alioski gone, Rodrigo gone, probably Phillips gone, everyone. I noticed the thread on um, Wacko the other day, someone basically putting a, a value on all of our players and just kind of looked at it and went, yeah, sell them all for that. That sounds that sounds great. We'll have a billion pounds at how, the end of this. How much? I haven't looked at that. Rafinha gone. How much? I mean, they had some... 70? They had some slightly daft prices on, like I think they wanted like 35 million for Stuart Dallas and stuff, which realistically probably wouldn't happen. But, um, but you know, I think um, the Melia link was the... To PSG was the big one this week, wasn't it? But um, they can piss off. Yeah, he's not. I mean, the Premier League to league, uh, does anybody do that unless they're forced to? I mean, he'd only go there on the basis that A, he's French and B, he'd want loads of money. And he'll still be French if he stays here. It's Champions League football as well, I suppose, is the the thing. But get that with Leeds. It's probably on the bench is what it is, actually. Yeah, I mean, so would you want to go there and just watch other people play Champions League? You could do that on the telly. He could speak to Kiko Kassir about it. <laughs> he's, he's familiar with that side of the game. But yeah, don't do that. Why don't we sell them Kiko instead? Good idea. For whatever it is they want to pay for Melier, we'll say we'll give you a far more experienced keeper for the same price. There were stories in 1993, the end of the 92-93 season, about Gary McAllister going to Paris Saint-Germain, which obviously, very glad that didn't happen. But then on the flip side of that, imagine Gary McAllister in a mid-90s Paris Saint-Germain kit it's got something to be said for yeah. it, hasn't it? It's almost alluring, is that as an idea? Crikey. I don't know. So if Paris Saint-Germain get a nice kit, I know that they have um, nice perfumes sometimes that they sell. So I assume Ilan Melier already smells superb. So the only real logic to him going there is if they have a, a nicer goalkeeper kit than us. Your move, Adidas. Alioski, do we have to? So much has been said over the last week or two arguing about something that hasn't yet happened. Twitter's share price probably done quite well out of it. That was the big winner over the last seven days with all this. Um, so at Jack will be happy. You're absolutely right. Absolutely nothing happened. We touched on that last week, that it's just that story from 
Football Insider, and then the story that really kicked it off was the Daily Mail with Leeds fans on Twitter are outraged about this maybe happening, and then it did just become... Which has fueled the outrage. Exactly. I've said on this podcast before that that box on Twitter where it just says, look at this. Loads of people have an opinion about this. What's your opinion? You have to give it. You can just not. Save it all for if he does or he doesn't go, but... um. But a waste of uh, a waste of energy, I guess. It is, and why not divert your energy into the um, like the flags and stuff that are being organised for the twenty first anniversary, which is it's a far more useful expenditure of energy, isn't it? Commemorating it properly. Yeah, and the the anniversary did give me two thoughts on the the Alioski thing because it's it's twenty one years, and one thing that keeps sort of coming up in general is the idea that what happened to Chris and Kevin was a long time ago. And that maybe that lessens the the impact and makes it more reasonable for a player to to want to go there, which is maybe true because you know people who were not born at the time are now fully grown adults and they're twenty one year olds. But it did also make me think it's a long time, but also it's not a long time because people who remember that game and I think we all watched it on TV because you remember how the stadium seemed almost to be celebrating what had happened, that these Leeds fans had been killed and now the, the match was going on and there was a real atmosphere of kind of, of revelling in it. And a lot of the people in the stadium, Galatasaray supporters, will have been 20, 21, 25, 30. Those people now, 21 years later, will be... Older. For, well, they'll be 42, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, they'll yeah. be 45, they'll be 50. In the prime of their lives, which is exactly what Chris and Kevin didn't get to enjoy, and presumably still supporting the same football team. Because if you're 20, you don't change your football team when you're 40. So anybody going to play for that club, they may have the distance and it may be, you know, it's, it was nothing to do with, with them. They weren't there at the time. They were maybe not even born. But they will still, once they step onto the pitch, their, their activities will be cheered by the same people who were in the stadium that night. And I think, although I come down on the, the idea that it's Gianni Alioski's life and he can do what he wants with it. I think that is a, a factor that maybe is more relevant than saying, well, it was a long time ago and just forget about it. The other thing I thought about it, though, was it's only Alioski. And I was thinking this after um, something I heard you saying, both saying on the, the Phil Hay show, and this kind of this, the thing around it as well, of the championship winning team or a team that so we want to remember them forever as, as legends and we don't want to spoil that memory. And I was thinking about it after we were talking about Peter Lorimer last week and him not being able to get into the team past Mike O'Grady and the number of people who said, well, who the fuck's Mike O'Grady? And have never heard of Mike O'Grady. And Mike O'Grady played 38 games in our first first division title winning season, scored eight goals. He was the joint second top scorer. And you would think if any team was going to be remembered as legends in the history of this football club, it would be the team that, for it was the best ever first division title winning team. Nobody had ever got as many points before that team in 68, 69. And we've only won it three times. So it's only a pool of like, what, 15 times, 30, 45 players you're trying to remember. Michael Grady's just gone from the memory. And if you think the, um, the review team before that, that got promoted from division two in 64, I couldn't name them one to 11. You look through it and it's like Don Weston's there. Alan Peacock, who was the lead chapman at the names that are just sort of gone from history and it kind of it happens naturally to some players who don't stay that strongly in the memory as Peter Lorimer who didn't play as many games as Michael Grady in that season but 
still is a is a proud legend. And I feel like Alioski, I like him. I think he's fun. He was good in the championship season. He's been good for Leeds over, he's probably played nearly 100 games, if not more. But he was never going to be like a statue of him in the City Museum for all time for us to remember. It's not a huge blow to anybody's memories of us winning the championship if Gianni Alioski goes to a, another team. It's just kind of... Yeah. I, I don't the, feel... the only thing I would say to counter that, Moscow, is the difference is now that we're in the internet age and everything lives forever on the internet. Like, you know, like We've got clips of all these people. We've got clips of him shaking the tunnel. So those reminders are always there. Mm. Are you going to be watching that? I mean, I was thinking... Well, I watched, I watched I think... Pablo scoring at, at Swansea. Yeah, but that's the this goal. Morning, this morning. I was thinking even more recently about the team that came up from League One, which was in the internet era and is in our memories and who I absolutely love. When was the last time you actually thought about Patrick Isnorbo? I don't wake up every day and think... Don't you? Patrick is Norbo. No, you're right. I do from time to time. I have a look and see where he's at, but I haven't done it for a long time. I know he was was managing Melbourne City women at one point, but it's not like... Yeah, you're right. And if you think of the players who were in the team against Bristol Rovers, Sanchez Watt played. Gary McSheffrey was there. Alioski is he is of a different level to those players though. You can't lump him in with McSheffrey. He was there for years but and he I played think, a lot of games. Yeah. It's, it's a proximity thing as well, isn't it? It's because it's very recent. That's yeah. why. And I think there's a rush. There's there's a there's a, an atmosphere at the moment, and I don't know if it's because we're all we've all been kind of indoors so much, but to commemorate everything, whether it's significant or not. So it does feel like, you know, Gianni Alioski has to be commemorated as a legend because he got promotion with Leeds United from last summer. When it's not actually it's but I, second I just, division yeah, championship. I, I want, I want to, I want to think of him fondly though. But and we're that's doing so, that before he's even gone. I know, I know. And there's but, still time for Calvin Phillips. We were talking about putting value on our players. There's the idea that Calvin Phillips is going to go to the European Championships. One of the reasons being that Jordan Henderson is he called Jordan Henderson? The yeah. Liverpool <laughs> is um, for some reason I, I was getting confused with Dean Henderson. That Jordan Henderson is injured and so won't be. Able to, and Jordan Henderson is starting to get more injuries. And if Calvin Phillips is a like-for-like replacement for Henderson, Jurgen Klopp will be looking at him and thinking, that's a player who wants to go into my team. And if Calvin Phillips decides, you know, his dream was getting promoted with Leeds United, that's why he didn't go to Aston Villa. He's achieved that. He's played in the Premier League for Leeds United. What he needs that he might not be able to get at Leeds is Champions League football and a title winner's medal, and he's off to Liverpool. That's something that could be happening in the next few years. And I feel like we have this idea of wanting to commemorate the achievements of players before they're done. Like we're, we're trying to build a statue of Calvin Phillips, for example, while he's still playing and discussing Gianni Alioski's legacy at Leeds. That word keeps coming up. <laughs> Gianni Alioski and his legacy at Leeds. He's still a Leeds United player. He hasn't signed for anybody else. He'll play probably against Sheffield United unless there's a team change, you know, if somebody's injured or whatever. You know, why are we discussing the legacy of a player who's going to be playing on Saturday? It all just seems a little bit mad, this this desire to sort of set their tributes in, set their I think achievements maybe. in stone. I, 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 yeah, I think you're soon. right. I think it's, I think it's probably fueled partly by the internet age as well and the constant churn of information. And it's, it's trying to find anchors into permanence almost, if you like. We're trying to f- make sense of all the stuff that's going on around us, particularly in a time that's been as like hyper real as the whole COVID lockdown situation. It's trying to pull things back to what we understand, what we know and frame things in, in normal terms. I think that's probably part of it, is we're trying to find this, this semblance of, of reality in, that, a, in that, all this. That rush for opinion as well, that you have to have an opinion on something, whether it's happened or yeah. or not. You can't just go, 
I don't actually have any thoughts on that, so I think I'll just not tweet. That seems to be very difficult to achieve at the moment. And there was an interesting side point on this. TSB Plus subscribers won't have heard the, the read just now for The Athletic, where Phil Hay has written an article about David Healy in The Athletic's Cult Heroes series. And I read that, and it's a good interview with David Healy, but then the comments are all Leeds fans arguing that David Healy doesn't qualify as a cult hero. And why didn't you do this about Jermaine Beckford? He's like, well, he's already interviewed Jermaine Beckford like, plenty of times. It's this weird thing again where it's, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's just an interview with David Healy. It doesn't matter if he fulfills exactly the qualifying criteria of a cult hero. And people always like, if you, if you dare call Andrew Hughes a legend, people will yeah. say that you are insulting Jack Charlton. Yeah, and pe- the two things are completely... Pe- it's people railing against subjectivity, isn't it? Let's yeah. move it on because we've done a lot on Gianni Alioski. So let's move forward and talk about something else that hasn't happened yet. Rodrigo's inevitable departure, going back to Spain. He's not happy, is it? So says one Spanish clickbait website. I mean, let's keep him. I know there is a, a school of thought that says he doesn't necessarily fit in to the formation we play and maybe the resources would be better used elsewhere and stuff. But I think he's got something about him and I would like to keep him. Yeah, And, and I think yeah. and think about Pat Bamford's first season and Kimar Roof's first season and Stuart just, Dallas's first season oh, and all those, all those people who were not very good and by the time they well either by now or by the time they left we were like oh yeah actually good sign was going to make exactly the same point yeah first season get it out of the way and it's uh, been a really broken up season he's had covid he's had several injuries he didn't have a full pre-season with the team he's been there's been loads of international breaks that he's i know he's not good on this one but he's been off on others it's just not been a settled time for him let's have a full year of him and see what he can do moving abroad during a pandemic is never going to be Fun. He's not. Well, he's not got to go to the three legs yet. How can he possibly know what it's like to live in Leeds? Exactly. It's it's got to be difficult for any player who's had a transfer. Probably even within the boundaries of a country, you go to another town or another city and you can't do anything. Just sit inside a new flat that you can't even decorate because you can't go and buy non-essential items. It's got to have been shit. And I don't think you are going to get the best out of anybody under these circumstances. But also, I think this is probably bollocks. Because this, um, who's going to have a go at pronouncing this website's name? Fijajes. Thank you. <laughs> no that's, idea. No idea if that's how you say it. Fitchages. Yeah. <laughs> Fitchers. So I've, I've got, I'm caught on the image of, um, of Paul Rodrigo not being able to go down to the range to buy, to buy some. Screw, fr- screw fix is open if he's listening. He <laughs> well, you can do there. essential DIY, but if you'd want to actually, you know, decorate the place. Can't it's... go down to B&M, can you, and pick up a picture for him? No, exactly. So <laughs> he wants to live, laugh, love. Thing for his kitchen wall, doesn't he? But he's not been able to get one. But this this same website, so they came up with uh, a story last week about Rodrigo being linked with a move back to Spain. That uh, Real Betis, our old friends, <laughs> yeah. speaking of pronunciation problems, and Sevilla being interested. And then they doubled down on it, saying that he has asked to go, that uh, and that his departure is inevitable. And then it just so happens that the same website has. Leeds are interested in Espanol striker Raul de Thomas, who has uh, been outstanding in the second division. Bielsa wants to sign a new striker as an alternative to Bamford, and Rodrigo's departure would facilitate de Thomas's arrival at Elland Road. So it's funny how they just happen to have a replacement lined up for the player that they say is going to be going back to um, to Spain with no evidence. Are we going can, to get? Can we talk about scousers instead? I was going to say we're going to get absolutely mad about this. It hasn't happened either, and probably won't. Well, one thing that has happened: Max Dean has signed his first professional uh, deal at the club. He turned seventeen, signed a two-year deal. 
joined us from Everton last season. He's played in both the 23s and the um, the under-18s. And there's an exchange between him, because you would, you would have seen the photo on the various socials of him looking, well, rather sullen in that way that 17-year-old boys do when asked to be photographed. And at least he had a laugh at his own expense anyway, but there was an exchange, nice exchange uh, with him and Adam Forshaw chatting in their native language. <laughs> and you read it in their native language, don't you? Congrats, lad. You look buzzing. I need to practice my photo skills. Oh no, well deserved, though, mate. Well deserved. <laughs> yeah, he's been good though, as Max Dean. Whenever I've seen him, he looks. He doesn't look out of place at all when he's played for the under twenty threes. Which, given he's more or less a child, is good. More or less a child. He is a child. We're not in seventeen. He signed a contract. Yeah, but he's still a child, isn't he? In the eyes of the law, <laughs> is a two year deal long enough? If he's that good, why isn't it twenty? I'm not sure. You can is there some rule about signing seventeen year olds? Can you only do two year deals? Because he's a child. Mm. I can't remember anyway, but. He's ours for a bit longer anyway. Right, as soon as he's old enough, 20-year deal, nothing can possibly go wrong. With no pay rises during that time. Are we going to be a bit too scouse? I was saying earlier that we don't have enough Irish players. Are we going too far the other way with Max Dean and Joffy and uh, Adam Forshaw around the place? I was concerned immediately when Forshaw arrived and wasn't he made captain at one point? I, I, I wasn't sure how I felt about having a scouse captain of Leeds. What do you feel is the danger from having too many scousers in the uh, in the League United squad, Moscow? Lay it out. Well, I mean... Robbie you were Fowler. speaking of overreactions on Twitter. I can't wait to click this up and put it out there. Robbie Fowler tipped the scales, didn't he? We had Don Matteo and he was fine. Honorary Yorkshireman, never let from Scotland in the first place. But then everybody says it was Robbie Fowler's arrival that really it just tipped the tipped the seesaw too far. You're in, overlooking Billy Painter as well. In a particular direction. Again, Billy was with um Paul Connolly as well. So it was uh, Paul Connolly scales. I don't mean to. Paul Beasley was, which I found odd. Heard him interviewed a while ago. I was very surprised by him being a scouser. I don't know what I was expecting. I like people from Liverpool. I've got some of my <laughs> Does, best friends. Doesn't sound like it. I've got friends who are scousers. But it's it's just one you you don't historically associate Leeds United Football Club with having a lot of people from Liverpool. And the name you know the names of the clubs does imply that there is a certain geographic bias. You don't have to be Athletic Bilbao for there to be. A, certain, a style of representation that your club enjoys. So the same as Liverpool Football Club <laughs> loves having a team full of Scousers. Leeds fans, we like having a team made up of Yorkshire people who actually are a precious few in our team, Scots and Irish. That's very Leeds. I mean, what I will say is you bullshitted your way out of that one really well. Well done. Well done. And Northumberland as well, because we had the Jack Charlton and the, um, what were his relatives called? The Milburns. The Milburns. So, um, a Norman Hunter was from up there as well. We Greenwood, had, and Greenwood uh, is from up there now, isn't he? So, that fits in very well. All I'm saying is it doesn't necessarily feel um, you could super have, leads. You, you could have stopped ages ago. It's fine. We've given you a pass on this one. <laughs> anyway, Gellhart and Greenwood both scored for England under 19, so that's nice as well. We'll be wearing a red kit before long. As we head properly into 2021, now is as good a time as any to get all your affairs in order, and Levi solicitors are on hand to help you do that. Uh, get yourself a will sorted, particularly if you've got family, you've got property. It's so important to have that in place should the worst happen. Hopefully, you know, we hope it doesn't. But if it does, you need to make sure that you are prepared for the future. And make sure you address lasting power of attorney as well, which is where if you are unable to make decisions about your finances and your health and your welfare, if you're ill, you're injured, or you can't make those decisions yourself, then it's a nominated person who can do that for you. Levi's, as always, will offer you a 10% discount on your legal fees if you go through us. So go to levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball and sort out your future. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, this is exciting. Leeds United back in action at the weekend. Uh, it's the Heckingbottom derby. What is it? The Heckingbottom Shield? I don't think he's worthy of a shield. Is it a cup? Like a little one though, like one of those, like a mug, a tankard. Hacking bottom tankard. You can have the shattered pieces of our first FSF award. Or something more Barnsley-ish. I don't know. Whatever it is, they're not very good. A kestrel. They? Have a dead kestrel in a box. There you go. <laughs> well, I mean, whatever it is, he's not getting it because we're winning this match. So it's fine. They're not very good and they're going down. And I would rather face a team. I mean, these are famous last words talking about stuff that's going to come back to haunt you. I would rather, on balance, face a hecking bottom Sheffield United than a Chris Wilder one. And do you know what? If they win this, don't make any difference, does it? We're still staying up. They're still going down. Play you in the cup in a few years, maybe. They won't win this. I mean, I was reading some stuff from Paul Heckenbottom. He's, he wants them to play with freedom for the rest of the season. And uh, he says, um, focus for me in short term in the remainder of this season, certainly in terms of priorities. It's trying to get smiles on faces, trying to play <laughs> with freedom, get a bit of energy in place. Can't just tell someone to have confidence. We know that, but we're wanting to change the environment. I think you've captured his uh, charisma well there, but you've probably overragged the pudding a little bit. That's too enthusiastic. Well, it did remind more, me. More dour, please. Reading all this stuff did remind me of what his press conference is like. We've seen these players perform to a very high level for many years now. We know they're capable. That's priorities, getting back to that. Given freedom, do you think try and enjoy he, the football? He's excusing the fact that he's got no tactics, and he's just saying to him, "Go out there and have a good time, lads." Well, well I didn't. I didn't get like the he did. At, like he did at Leicester. This went on for uh, for so so long, so I didn't bother getting it in exactly. But he was talking about Rian Brewster and trying to get the best out of him. And he's basically saying he's going to be giving a lot of personal attention to Rian Brewster and working with him. 
as if one the poor lad's one. not had a bad enough year as it is. And then he was saying that um, <laughs> he's very good with the ball, but it's really got to work on him without the ball because he might only have the ball for two minutes and the other 88 minutes, that's what he's got to work on. And he just reminded me of... With the ball, without the ball. With, with ball. Oh, we got, oh, God. I want them to be good with the ball, without the ball. And uh, yeah, we're working on them with the ball and without the ball. <laughs> Sorry, I've slipped into a coma. What were you saying? With the ball and without the ball. I, I came very close when he was manager of Leeds. And I, I remember, and I don't want to pretend I didn't think he might work out at Leeds because when he turned up with his decent reputation for developing good young players, I was like, fine, see how he goes. Didn't take long to work out. He was a terrible, terrible joke. But I nearly did a, a compilation from his press conferences of him just saying, whip ball, without the ball, with the ball, without the ball. I want him working well, whip ball, without ball. And it's, all, it's interesting. He, uh, well, it's not interesting. It's bollocks. His thoughts on what was wrong at Leeds compared to what's happening at uh, at Sheffield United. He was asked about taking over both jobs and what it was like starting them. And he said, uh, it were totally different for reasons I won't go into because it would be wrong of me to say my thoughts, but it were totally different. Leeds hadn't lost someone who dragged the club from League One to the Premier League and had so much success. So that's if we'd lost Thomas Christiansen, and boy, I wish we had him back. But Leeds, they also had a bigger squad with a lot of players who were never going to play for Leeds. So the atmosphere would have never changed until you had the ability to get those players out the door and out the building, simply because there were 20-odd knowing they were never going to play. So it was a demotivated place. Who? Who were these 20 players? Wazim Boy. He, was, he probably wasn't even there. But I can't name 20 players. I suppose it was like Grot and Shognacy. He played and, them. Oh, I know he did, but he played them knowing they, <laughs> they hated it. Then, he should have put more smiles on faces. I mean, the thing is, anything he says with regard to this is immediately blown out of the water by that Stoke game when he sat in the box for Sky Sports and they said to him, what's different between now and when you were here when it's basically the same set of players? And he had no answer. Yeah, being able to say, he's got rid of Union O'Kane isn't good enough reason, is it? And that's it. When the uh, Bielsa solved that problem immediately by just having the three squads when he came in said, definitely, maybes and Probably not. And then say, right, you've got someone to, to work it out. So I don't know why that, I mean, that's not a very complicated solution to a, a problem. Oh, but they're all demotivated. I can't do anything about it. That's whenever I hear Paul Heckingbottom talk about his time at Leeds, it always... It's never his fault, is it? Well, summer, it's never summer, his fault. And then, summer squad, wit reserves, we are reserves. <laughs> he never seems to have the sense, or there's never the idea that he could have done something about it. <laughs> Or it were a demotivated. Yeah, they need a manager here, that's what they need. <laughs> yeah, he always externalises the factors, doesn't he? Um, well, I look forward to them winning on uh, on Saturday. We should beat them because they're shit and we're, we, sh- we should be playing with freedom now because we're staying up. They are shit and you've got to think they're, they're probably not that bothered either. They will be demotivated because essentially you've got one or two players like Brewster just wants out of there, I can only assume. Billy Sharp is now getting picked ahead of him. He's basically got Billy Sharp and McGoldrick ahead of him and he thought he was going to be playing in the Champions League potentially this year and instead... He can't get past a 35-year-old. It's fed to call Billy Sharp a journeyman, isn't it? He's a good one, but he is at the end of his fairly fairly meandering career through through various non, like lower league teams, and he can't get past it. Chris Basham is probably still their best player, and he's a 32-year-old centre-back. Like Lundstrom's off, I think, isn't he? It's all, um, it's all just kind of run out of momentum, hasn't it, the whole Sheffield United thing, and particularly with removing Wilder from that equation, who was probably the, the, the catalyst for it all. Take him out of it and actually... It's been horribly exposed for what it is this season, but I say, hor- I say horribly, but only horribly, only horribly for them. Yeah, <laughs> they are so hilariously doomed. Everything reading about them, the only saving grace is that their um, their sort of technical advisor is Jan van Winkel, 
who was Bielsa's assistant for a, a season at Marseille. But the rest of it, when, you know, they're talking about getting uh, Slavisa y- y- Yukovanovic. <laughs> Yukanovic? Him. Who, who Moscow just go again with that? Slavisa Yukanovic. Yep, yep. Um, who is currently at Algarafe in Qatar. And if not him, then his mate, Javier Pereira, um, who is currently in charge of Henan Shongsan Longmen in the Chinese Super League. And they have this little network of uh, clubs, the United World Projects, where they've um, invested in Beershot in Belgium and uh, Van Winkle owns Kurali United FC of the Kurala Premier United League. United World Project sounds like a religious cult where everyone's going to end up killing themselves. It does, or, and, or and, it's some sort of non-governmental organisation um, that's into really shady human rights practices. Oh yeah, United World Project, it sounds like, you know, it's either that or it's like a, a modern jazz band. You can, <laughs> like, you can imagine there'd be about 20 of them, they'll be on Jules Holland. And now, welcome, Boogie Woogie from the United World Project. They've just founded... Uh, the owner as well has founded a new club in Dubai called Al Hilal United, and it's all, it's all, and it, there's a bit of a kind of a, a, a shadow warning because when Radrizzani starts talking about his network of clubs and having technical advisors and all this, and we had um, Ivan Bravo knocking around for a while, you do kind of feel like we're teetering on the edge. But something about the way Radrizzani's sort of uh, exuberant, um, <laughs> uh, well put, sort of leanings tend to be controlled. He always seems to be tugged back on back on the straight and narrow whenever he's designing badges or whatever. Gives me more hope than than this, which does seem like it's just gone. Yeah, I mean, mad and will go mad. And talk about shadow warnings. Let's not forget that uh, to give him his full title, um, His Royal Highness Prince Abdullah bin Musa Ad bin Abdul Aziz Al Saud was the Sheikh Rubber Dub that Bates was referring to. He was the guy who was supposedly going to come in at Leeds pre GFH. His ideas are not without merit. And it sounds like the argument with uh, Chris Wilder was is that basically Chris Wilder is unhappy about being dictated to or having anybody else involved in transfers. If you believe Prince Abdullah, he said he, he asked for a list of goalkeeper transfer targets last summer and Chris Wilder just came back and said, Ramsdale. Like, well, what if we can't get him? We'll get him. And that was kind of it. And it's... It's terrible as well. Well, that's Chris Wilder's uh, judgment in the end. I did quite enjoy... Um, I mean, obviously this is all one-sided... But um, uh, Chris Wilder saying that he wanted to resign and then Prince Abdullah saying, well, we don't want to fire you. And they said, if we get relegated, we, we think you can get us up again next season. It just We'll have some more people working on transfers with you and, and stay. He said, no, I want to resign. Go okay, on, fine. And then the email said, right, I want four million pounds to resign because that's what I would have been paid if you sacked me. And it's kind of, well... And they're they're having that like conversation that, with him. That doesn't work like that's that. That's not how it works. But obviously, it's actually what what that's achieved is it's sullied his uh, talk about sullying legacies. It's sullied his legacy in a little bit in the eyes of the Sheffield United fans. Some of them not happy Which, that he dared to ask for money to, to leave. To be fair to him, we do only have his Royal Highness's word for that, and mm. you know I'm not doubting his word, but it would you know. I mean, are we are we interested? Sides in, are, we in, are, are we interested in balance, though, Moscow? I am interested in how. Um, when I was reading stuff in the Sheffield Star about all this, that they do just refer to the club's owner as HRH sometimes. <laughs> I think it's that um, elegant variation where you try to come up with different ways of describing him. Sometimes I'll say the prince. Sometimes it will be um, Abdullah bin Musad and yeah. give him part of his name. And sometimes I'll just say HRH. And it's such a weird way of describing the owner of a football club, his royal highness. Mm. That is what Bates used to ask to be called <laughs> as well. True story. Anyway, let's uh, go back to this game. We should win, shouldn't we? And we will win. 
I mean, who scored dot com? Will we? We should. I mean, their the list of weaknesses is vast, and their style of play sounds poor. And you have to think with that what happened with that um, game at Leicester. There's your new manager bounce. That mentally they've gone. You have to hope that, don't you? It was um, expected goals of zero in the first half, wasn't it? Raised to zero point one in the second. I think it was actually not point not seven. I think that was. I think you were looking at a rounded figure there. They managed one shot off target in the entire game. I think was was the sum total of their efforts. They have had a better result since. Haven't they? I say a better result. I think it's still lost. Yeah, after I said to their only hope was keeping Chris Wilder and beating Chelsea in the FA Cup and trying to win the FA Cup. Nope, didn't happen, did it? And what this does, if we win this, it does give us a nice bit of breathing space where we can go into the Man City, Liverpool, and then Scum games, which are back to back to back after that, and just enjoy it, just relax a little bit. We'll be absolutely livid when we get beaten. <laughs> when Scum put six past us again, but well, it's fine, isn't it? Well, it's not fine actually. If we lose six six two to Scum again, I'll be furious. But we can be better this time around. We've got to be. So call it then. Do we win? Yes. Yeah. And we send Heckingbottom home crying. Heroes and villains then from the last seven days. No Leeds games to talk of, so we're going to have to uh, stretch a little bit for some of these maybe, but why not? Let's go for it. Ken Bates Villainy Award first, who's been doing bad stuff for us in the last week. Phil McNulty, this was nominated by Vivek, who is Leeds Viv on Twitter. Southgate was asked about who he thought stood out and played well. The first person he talked about was Calvin Phillips. Phil McNulty wrote it up, didn't mention it. That was against San Marino, wasn't it? Yeah, went straight into talking about some other dickheads, Mason Mount and uh, Jesse Lingard. Why are they trying to write out Calvin? It's anti-Leeds bias, simply. That is all it is. The biased broadcasting corporation, as Ken Bates used to call them. And speaking of anti-Leeds bias as well, Sylvain Ripoll, he is France's under-21s manager, who is failing to pick Ilan Melier. You can see why he hates us, though. Look where he was born. There you go, born in Rennes. Or Ron. 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 <laughs> it is Rennes, isn't it? Born in Rennes. <laughs> born in Rennes, played 77 games from... So that's why he hates us. It's payback, isn't it? They'd also play for Lorient, which is where we got Leighton Orient, which is where we got Ilan Melier from, famously. Again, he probably hates the fact that um, Melier deserted Lorient for Leeds. Yeah, he doesn't like people going on to better themselves, this guy. That's the problem. I don't know why he's been left in charge of a, a young football side. Are we going to nominate the beneficiary of all this as well? Alban Lafont. Damon Alban. He must be bloody good. Melier, I believe, doesn't have a single under-21s cap for France doesn't need it he's just going to go straight into the senior side he's not bothered about this what's his name Lafont the fountain Alban Lafont yeah he's, I think uh, I did say last week I thought it, or was it the extra ball that I thought his name was foot near enough close you can see what I meant Lafont is French for the foot it is the fountain isn't it I presume presumably do you have a, small fountain do you have foot in your garden Moscow <laughs> it's spraying water everywhere yes and Damon Alban or doctor as he's whichever you know Paul Heckingbottom could be a doctor one day yeah, he's got a PhD, hasn't he? Not yet. He's studying for one. Getting one. Yeah. In what? It's it's something related to football, isn't it? Or exercise or sport. It's funny. He always sounds like he's doing the right things, doesn't it? It all make, it all kind of fits together, but then the results. Is he going? Is he going down the path of like uh, Kevin Blackwell was the most qualified coach in the entire universe imagine, at, one, at one point? Imagine Kevin Blackwell turning up at Leeds Beckett. Do you know how Heckingbottom would end up as a doctor? Do you think he would demand his players refer to him as Doctor or the Doctor? <laughs> Professor. Professor Heckingbottom. <laughs> oh, you just reminded me, I've not seen the Doctor since Leeds games are finished. It's a shame. Just enjoy seeing his, his mop of curly hair at, at Ellen Road. We've got a nomination for a random Huddersfield town fan for missile chucking. Yeah, Pontus Janssen's done a, an interview um, where he talks about kind of getting into some of his 
ruckuses and the one where he was um, when it was Monk versus Wagner and he went steaming in and terrified Izzy Brown. He mentioned that there were repercussions from all that, that Huddersfield fans have since attacked him twice. They attacked me outside the arena, once in Leeds and once in Brentford. You have so much adrenaline, it's clear that it could have been dangerous. Every now and then there was a beer bottle they attacked me with. And he's asked if there was a scuffle. He said, no, no, he was probably a couple of beers in, so he missed when he swung. It was fine. So but- somebody swung a, a bottle at him. Is that, am I, am I reading that right? It sounds like a Huddersfield Town fan, after a, a Brentford match, has tried to attack Pontus Janssen with a beer bottle because he used to play for Leeds. Calm down. That's all I'm saying. It's not worth the jail time, is it, for bashing somebody over the head with a bottle of beer under any circumstances, but certainly not just because they played for Leeds that time. Go and renew your rivalries with like Bradford, someone, someone more at your level. Any other candidates? So should we pick one of those? It's a fairly you know, fallow week because it's international week, but should we go for it? I think Sylvan Ripoll is the by far the, uh, the leading candidate here. With his obvious bias and hatred of Leeds United and everyone connected to the career of Melier. It probably blends all this together. He's ignoring Melier the same way that Phil McNulty ignores Calvin Phillips. And I imagine that under-21's training as we speak, Melier is cowering in a corner as he brandishes a broken beer bottle at him. You think you'll play for... I won't do the accent. Do the accent. No. <laughs> He's having it then. Is he older, Ripoli? Yeah, why not? For his love of the fountain, fine. Andy Hughes Hero Award for this week, then someone who's done good in the last seven days. Nominations. Melier. There we go. <laughs> in your face, Ripple. Yeah, he's been nominated for Premier League Player of the Month for March. Not the young player, actual player, because he's that good. Because he's too good for youth football, which is what France are refusing to pick him in. Calvin Phillips as well needs a nomination for tolerating the shambles that is England's supporter base on Twitter. England's anyway. players. Yeah. You won't put up with England's, that for that England's lot. manager tedious. Roy Keane, why is he here? Because he likes Calvin. It's weird, isn't it? He's not going to win it, obviously, because it's Roy Keane. But yeah, says he's done well. So I suppose, does he get a mention? I know we've had Gary Neville in here on occasion before as well, which has been a bit awkward. Roy Keane's probably worse still, isn't he? Do we get to hear his quotes? <laughs> um, He's not Dublin, is he, Keane? He's more, it's going to be very offensive, this. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to give this one a swerve? It's going to be, it's gonna be quite offensive and uh, to be... <laughs> It would be Phillips at the moment. He's playing week in, week out for Leeds, not challenging for titles, but they're a newly promoted team. He's matured well. He looks a fit lad, and I've heard really good things about him. It's a nice problem for Gareth to have. That's not bad, that. It was bordering on Des Morta Island than this, yeah. wasn't it? But, um, I mean, a career in Mrs. Brown's boys awaits when you're <laughs> cancelled from this podcast due to your, uh, your racism. But well done. Good luck with your, uh, your, you. f- your future endeavours. And at least I'm only upsetting Roy Keane, who's a reasonable man. Let's try some uh, Norwegian accents then next. <laughs> Because <laughs> we want to nominate the Leeds United Supporters Club of Scandinavia for their efforts and a sincere nomination this time as well because they donated £2,000 to Wheatfields, the hospice that looked after Peter Lorimer in his final days. And there's always been that really close kinship that we've spoken about between the Scandinavian Supporters Club and Peter Lorimer and the pub. They always used to go in there in the commercial inn in Holbeck and get absolutely rat assed on what presumably to them would be dirt cheap vodka. Almost free, you would think, given the price over there. But it's lovely, this. I find it. It's mad and brilliant that we've got a load of people in different countries donating money to a hospice in Yorkshire because of someone who scored a load of goals for Leeds in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, nice work. Uh, Usman Dembele, do we want to sign him? He wants to sign for us, I would imagine. Clearly, he's touting for this move, isn't he? 
Although he wants Pat Bamford's shirt, but then he also wants... Presumably, in, in, in the literal sense? I was going to say, presumably wants to take it off him then when he arrives. But yeah, this is this is via the France under-21s link, isn't it? That he's he's asked Melier for Calvin and Bamford's shirts, apparently. And he's a fan of us. That's nice. Just come and sign for us then if you want. Would you have him? suppose. If he asked nicely. For the bench. To my bro, Bamford from Dembele, was how he signed the shirt. It does sound a little bit like how a celebrity would sign it for a child <laughs> and you know not from Usman either just from Dembele a bit like if you gave me a Christmas card it said Merry Christmas from Normanton which I would never do by the way it's a bit bit odd but as long as Pat's happy with it I don't mean to Pat was thrilled spoil his shirt you could tell he was really thrilled it's quite nice to see Bamford as much as he's always been at, around sort of top level footballers he was at Chelsea and stuff it's still quite nice to see him Swooning over someone a bit famous. He can take down he the sign. He knows who I am. He can take down down the signed Lewis Baker shirt that he's got framed on the walls. Put that up instead. It's a little bit like when we went to the you know the FIFA awards and then all the great and the good from world football were there and then Liam Cooper went and collected our uh, our fair play trophy. But look at this, mum, look who I'm next to. Zidane. Oh, it's Taking a selfie with Messi in the background. Yeah, exactly. Right, Alfie McCalmon is uh, having a nomination this week for... Being good. Now Harry Kewell's not poison in his mind yep amongst other things and his football he's scored a goal every other game now since QL left and one of them was an absolute Yeboah pinger from the edge of the box in off the bar so we'll get him back next year probably replacing they probably play left back I would imagine by the time he gets gets in our team but yeah he's doing well there who is their manager now sorry Keith Curl oh. another bad man but we'll um, we'll maybe leave him for another day he's not QL levels of bad is he he just, he just once shouted at Jimmy Hasselbank tried to strangle him Oh, there was that too. He gripped him by the throat and then just held him there while um, I don't think Jimmy knew what to do about it. He's not as bad as, um, who was it? It was Muscat. As, uh, Muscat. As Warnock Mus- calls him. Muscrat. Who was throwing mud at Jimmy Hasselbank as he ran up to take the penalty that started all the, what the was, squabbling. What was Warnock's line on Muscat? Just yelling that he knew it would be bloody Muscat, <laughs> which is fair. I mean, if you've ever watched any of the... Um, assaults that Muscat has committed in Australian football he is absolute disgrace it's been an international week and we have a nomination for one of the international teams Moscow I presume this is yours well we've had a lot of um, hype around the Benelux countries lately so I feel like we can't ignore the heroics of Luxembourg beating the mighty island I think they're trying to put on a show to impress Pascal Stroik maybe Tempt him away. A, a, late, from a the, late kind of play for his services. Tempt him away from the, the bright lights of Be and Ne and uh, get him into looks. So, yeah, not not to um, criticise the Irish national team, as said before. The stronger they are, the better for Leeds United. But well done to Luxembourg. They're um, not actually as bad as I thought they were. I In my head, I almost have them on the level with San Marino and absolute no hopers. But they have had some wins. Admit they're not against football giants, but they have beaten like. Cyprus and Montenegro and Azerbaijan and people like that recently. Yeah, so doesn't they're, striker, they're kind of all right. I think their striker or whoever it was that scored plays for somebody like Dynamo Kiev. He's actually like a decent player. And I mean, they're all fucking minted in Luxembourg anyway. So they all live in that one castle. So the you know the, it's like Pat in, Bamford's life in, in the overdrive. Cap- is that in the capital of Luxembourg? Luxembourg. Yeah. Yes. So well done to the barons of Luxembourg. Pick yourself a hero then. Give it to the Scandinavians. Yeah, they've genuinely done some good and something to warm the heart in what was a, 
a difficult story, to say the least, in losing another legend. So well done, lads. And lasses, nice one. That wraps up this one then. If you want to uh, keep in touch with all the stuff that we're doing, including the subscriber-only podcast, The Extra Ball, get early access to the Match Ball, ad-free podcasts, digital access to the mag, and a whole lot more, thesquareball.net forward slash plus, and we will catch you next time. The Square Ball Podcast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 